Welcome to the Erasmus Foundation podcast. My name is Paul Nugent. Are you looking for answers to life and its meaning? Then this may well be the very podcast you need to listen to. In a series of podcasts, we are going to look at the difficult questions of life and apply spiritual knowledge to find out the answers. Hello. Today, we are going to talk about the movements of the earth, and Julia and I are going to discuss this today. Don't worry, it's not going to be a geological talk. It's going to be about spirituality and spirit. Hello, Julia. How are you today? Hello, Paul. I'm very well, thank you. So, as my understanding of the movements of the earth is very limited. I mean, I do understand that we talk about tectonic plates and we understand that land, the countries, if you like, are moving away from one another. Many, many, many years ago, seemed to be one mass of, of land and they moved apart. And I think what I'm reading is that the land masses are moving apart from one another about the speed of a a toenail growing. (laughs) So we understand, don't we, that um, according to the scientists, that this has been going on since the beginning of the earth. And I don't know whether that's true or not, Mm. but I'm sure we'll discuss that today. And the the question that, that people have found hard to answer in the scientific world is where the energy came from for the the land masses to move apart. So have you any thoughts on that, Julia? Well, first of all, following on from what you've just said, I would say that under the natural law of things within the earth, there will be a certain degree of movement over a long period of time, perhaps in a way how you've described. But that is never expected to be disruptive. So I think that is the difference. And as we will discuss, you know, through this podcast, it's basically man's ignoring of the natural law that invokes it to be more active than necessary. So I think that's the theme, if you like, throughout. Normally and naturally, there would just be a certain amount of movement. But to think about the earth in its very beginnings. Um, We've learned here in the foundation that the earth as a fragment was found by a spirit who was searching for a place where the spirits, the great mind's children, if you like, could come and evolve spiritually. And this spirit took a very long time to find Eretha, as it is called in spirit. And it was said that this spirit on returning to the great mind and others said that when she came to Eretha, that it felt like home. And this was totally acceptable to the great mind. And so from that point, Eretha was um, visited and they started to make it ready. And the first thing I believe that was done was that power was put into its center. It was in the form of a grid. 
And this was taken out into many channels around the globe of Eretha. And also it was channeled into its core. And this was cosmic energy from the great mind. And this was directed into the Earth's core. And we talk about ley line energy. And this is all energy lines coming from this grid, this power grid. And this has been there ever since. Whether it will always remain so, obviously, is is up to the great mind. But this is where the energy um, was put and how it was put in its very beginnings. So that's the energy then. That's how the energy got into the earth, the cosmic energy, as you say, placed into the earth. And I assume then that this was going on fine um, until man stepped his toes on on the earth and started disrupting things, I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is something that we'll we'll discuss through the podcast because, as I say, normally earth movement that is disruptive is not something that would naturally happen under the natural law. So any great disruption, you have to look at man and, and his behaviour. We might question why we have these energies. And I think these energies were given and were expected that man would make good use of them in a positive way for good purpose. So, for example, keeping his home warm, keeping himself warm for his health, for perhaps cooking his food, for travel and transport. And also there are different energies that come from different parts of Eretha, for example, the earth itself, the soil. If we walk barefoot on the earth, it is very beneficial because there is an earth energy. And this was understood at various times in the various civilizations of earth. And this was used. And this was good. This is partly why it is there. You also have the water energy. And again, this was understood and used by people, whether it was hot and cold springs, it was helped with healing of various ailments. You also have, for example, the energies that come from trees. And I think this is known to a certain extent today, that if you hug a tree, you do feel, if you are sensitive enough, a certain energy. And likewise, Um, With stone, certain stones, if you sit with your back to a stone, again, you can feel a certain energy. And this is all beneficial to mankind and is there to help mankind. But I think this is one of the problems of why we see the energies surfacing, like volcanic eruptions and um, earthquakes. This is one area, I think, that the energies are responding to, our lack of using the energies because they are there to help us and we perhaps have forgotten about them and we are not considering them anymore. In a way, we are using energies for perhaps the wrong reasons. So I think this is all part of why we're seeing this disruption. But I'm not talking about major disruptions that we'll perhaps talk on in a minute, but certainly I think um, some eruptions of energy are almost like 
the earth saying to us, look, we're here. This is energy. You are not using it and you're not using it in the right way. So when you say not using it, would you say we're underusing it then? I think we've forgotten about these energies that I've spoken about. Right. I think some people, you know, understand about putting your feet on the ground. Um, there's another prayer to the morning sun that you can do where you get energy. I think this is something like many things in spirit that we have forgotten because we are, you know, too taken up in our physical and material world. And then we're actually supposed to be used that's the point so Hmm. if if they're underused then i suppose that energy is not in balance because it's not being used in in the way it should be yes exactly i mean if it's being misused or ignored then it will naturally surface it's it's got to go somewhere so i think it's a combination of us not using it but if we do use it the question is are we using it for the right purpose and I think that's something that, that uh, we should consider. But certainly earth movement will happen in a disruptive way if mankind is behaving in a way that isn't according to the natural law, as you know we've spoken about a few times, haven't we, in, in a number of yes, podcasts. Yes, indeed. But I mean, I could, if you like, talk a little of some of the examples of previous civilizations where there's been major earth movement. I think that's the right thing to go to next. So you want to talk about what, Atlantis and maybe the second civilization, perhaps? Yes, I think we could go back. Um, yeah. For example, just to give a timeline uh, approximately, because there is no time in spirit at home. We've created time here. But just approximately, it was about 94 million years ago that Eretha was started to be prepared for life. There was a lot more that was going on prior to that to make it ready. But the second civilization, as an example, was about 25 million years long, and it ended approximately 55 million years ago. And at that time, the structure of Eretha was that there was just one very large continent of land, and then the rest was ocean. And so it's difficult to imagine the size of this land, but it was really, really large. And peopled on this land at that time were three fairly distinct groups of people. You had some who were from a place called Iota, that were taking lives on earth. You had some who were from Madraga, who were living more in the centre of this landmass, and they were very peaceful, loving people and quite small, quite squat in appearance. And then you had others on the eastern side of this large landmass who were from Andromeda, At the end, there was, as I say, three groups of people. The Motherigans in the centre were very much wanting to bring the other two factions, if you like, together in harmony. They were seeking peace, but they were in a way overtaken and almost enslaved at some point by the Andromedians, who were very 
warlike. They were very militaristic. And this developed to such a degree at the end that they were talking about holding what they called was the ultimate war. And this was a war against the people on the western side of this large landmass, the Iotans. And the Iotans obviously had a certain knowledge about what the Andromedians were up to and what their purpose was. And the Iotans had nuclear technology. And because of this threat, they started to look at the nuclear technology in a way to try and see how they could use it to defend themselves. So they looked at this and developed it into a bomb. And what happened right at the very end was that Laotans had this technology, but they didn't really appreciate how it worked, if you like, to put it simply. And on that final day, they sent off a number of bombs. Um, and what happened, we have heard that people who were there at that time, what they witnessed was, if you can imagine, something like the sun in the sky exploding in a huge, huge nuclear explosion. And it was, of course, realised that they weren't just destroying the Andromedeans on the other side of this huge landmass, they were destroying themselves as well. And this, of course, is what happened. It was the end of that civilization. And as a result of this explosion, you had a lot of geological change that followed ongoing into the following civilization. But the immediate effect was, for example, the sunlight was not getting through to the land. And so you have an answer here that people could consider that that is why the dinosaurs died out, for example, because they do need sunlight to survive. And obviously all the people, the humans certainly were destroyed, they returned home. There were just a few um, mutations, if you like, that were left. So this was what happened at the end of the second. And ongoing into the third, as a result of this nuclear, huge nuclear explosion, there was a lot of geological change, a lot of earth movement. So could that then be the trigger for this tectonic plate starting to move. Could, could mm -hmm. that be the trigger for that, would you say? I, I would say very much so, because, I mean, just to, just to say, Paul, that the third civilization was 50 million years ago. I'm saying that because it was a, obviously a very long period of time, but an awful lot of movement, of earth movement, happened through that time because of what happened at the end of the second. And if you think of the start of Atlantis, a civilization that we've received a little bit more information about, and how the Earth was then. Obviously, it wasn't just one Earth mass anymore. It was the Earth, the land, was in different parts of the globe, and there were different oceans. So an awful lot had happened over quite a long period of time. So things like the tectonic plates that you talk about and 
other structures of the earth did move quite dramatically and in quite a disruptive way, as I mentioned before, simply because of what man had done. Plates clashing with one another, forming mountains, mm -hmm. all sorts of things. And, land going down, land going the ocean down, floor, land indeed. coming up. Yes. Um, as I say, this is a huge length of time. It's difficult to imagine, um, you know, how soon or or how much happened. But um, and I'm not sure how much happened immediately on the explosion. But I certainly know that the sunlight was certainly not getting through for a period of time because of this um, explosion. And I believe there are mythologies about people. Um, I mean, this must be a history from later on, because as I say, people went home at the end of the second. But there are certainly mythologies about people talking about the earth falling down from the sky. So, you know, it's difficult to imagine. But, you know, if you're in that period when that explosion happened, um, what was falling down from the sky, if you like, and people wouldn't no. have understood what was going on. No. And also, you know, if you look at it from a scientific point of view, the science is there, isn't it? If they wish to look at it in mm. the way that we look at it, it wasn't this meteor that hit the earth that caused the problem, although that may have happened, but it wasn't the, the real trigger that we see for the dinosaurs actually dying out. And, you know, I think if they look at the land in a different way and with different eyes, they will see that there is an alternative to their original ideas. Yes, that's right. It's just thinking a little bit more broadly and not fixating on this idea of a, a meteor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's it gets down to the fact of perhaps considering that mankind has been on the earth before, or, you know, or rather before um, the times that we talk about, you know, like Atlantis. Yes. Yes. So there's that. And also there are nuclear fused rocks, which again um, are an indication of some nuclear explosion of some sort, which again, they put down to it being a meteor. But I think if it could be accepted that perhaps human beings were around a lot, lot longer ago than we accept or the scientists accept, then I think, you know, a lot could be opened up to people to mm. think about. Well, of course, the Atlantis is more um, talked about. It, obviously, it wasn't so long ago. Um we are told it started about 5 million years ago and ended about 15,000 years ago, approximately. And with Atlantis, it was one large island continent. And as I said before, the Earth was very different. There were other land masses around at that time. And in fact, at the end of the third, and if you like, the start of Atlantis, after the people had gone on to this continent of Atlantis, there was a very large storm, large enough actually to take away the causeway that was in existence at the start of Atlantis and joined the continent that we know of as Africa today. And after that storm occurred, the land bridge was destroyed and the waters then swept through into the Mediterranean which, of course, had been 
a dry land basin up until that time. So the Mediterranean was formed and Atlantis became what was in effect then a large island continent. And interestingly, the people at that time, they then were so in awe of the sea because of the storm that it was the god Poseidon that became their god that they looked up to and prayed to. And the sea was very, very important to the Atlanteans. So that was, in a way, another bit of earth movement at that time. And then if you think about the end of Atlantis, obviously that was about 15,000 years ago, what happened towards the end of that civilization? First of all, there was a warning given by the great mind. And we learn that the great mind always gives a warning at the end or towards the end of every civilization. And during Atlantis, about a thousand years before the end, again, another um, event happened. A great flood occurred. And what caused the flood, or certainly contributed to it, was the moon changed its orbit. And this was obviously um, all part of the great mind's plan. And as I say, a warning to those on Atlantis at the time that perhaps they weren't living in a correct way. Perhaps they weren't living to the natural law. And it was given to them as a warning to perhaps get them to, to think a little bit. So anyway, that happened at that point. And then right at the end, what was happening was there was the people there, they, they were starting to have hatred within them. There was greed developing. There was some falsehood appearing amongst them. And they were losing their tranquility that was really theirs by right. This was diminishing. And so really, they you could say, in a way like today, they weren't living to the natural law. And this deterioration was also having an effect on how they worked and lived. So whereas before, if something needed to be done, it would be done. But in this instance, things started to be left. And there were certain people living on Atlantis who recognised that things were not right, there was an imbalance, and they kept themselves apart a little bit. But importantly, they didn't do anything really much about it. They could have perhaps started their own community and tried to do things in a correct way to set a good example, but they didn't do that. And I'm sure that all of those who had lives at that time would look back and recognise perhaps a little bit of apathy, maybe some fear that nothing was done to perhaps put things right. So sadly, at that time, the Atlantis eventually sank below the ocean, as we hear in stories. As I say, it was a very large continent. It was approximately from just the south of what is Greenland today, and went right down as far south as the Bermuda Triangle area, and approximately in line with 
Senegal, I believe, in Africa. So that's just to give you a, an idea of the size of Atlantis. Mm. What's interesting there mm. is, I think we need to move on a little bit here, but we've got the second civilization and Atlantis, and there's a common denominator here. What we have is man's influence on our planet, and it is very destructive. And what we've got now, of course, is modern day, mm. if we can move to modern day. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And, and the fear is that we're going to do the same thing again. Yes, well, we're certainly on a trajectory to do that. Um, it, there's such an imbalance in our world today, and I think it's becoming more and more evident to people. And we've talked a lot about this, haven't we, Paul, in various podcasts? Indeed. The pollution um, of the world, the disease, the pandemic, of course, which people have, have experienced and what we believe has not gone away because we are not asking what is the root cause, which, as you say, it is man and man's behaviour. And the other thing I think that we learn and we see evidence of more and more is evil. And we are told that this civilization, which is the fifth civilization of Eretha, is the most evil that it has ever been on Eretha. And in fact, the most evil that it has ever been in anywhere in the universe. And going back to warnings for each civilization, I wonder if perhaps our warning might be to do with evil. I mean, we think about the Holocaust and Hitler, and now we have Putin. So maybe that was a warning last century for people to think a little bit about our behavior and about allowing evil to, in a way, take control. I would say, though, that the positive that's coming out today, which perhaps shows some maturity with us now, is that people are coming together against Putin. So that is a good thing. But I think, you know, the balance of evil and what is done in a good way is, is always a good way to learn. That's right. And um, I think it's true to say, if we weren't in the hands of the great mind, we would be in a lot of trouble right now because mm. I don't think there's any way of stopping what we're doing. I don't think we're strong enough, wise enough, clever enough to be able to stop the way that our world is going and how we are leading it to destruction. And this is why it's so important that we do have the great mind holding our hands and helping us through this difficult stage of, of, of life on earth at the moment. Mm. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, the great mind is in complete control. This civilization actually has a name for it, which is in spiritus, it is Desiatus Upholer, and that means destruction or survival. And we have been told that on, at this time, the, the earth will not be destroyed, but it is down to the choice of all of us here on the earth. So it is a responsibility that the great mind has put on us, he, his trust and respect for his children. We've come through four civilizations, perhaps, or are we mature enough and strong enough to make the right choice? So we have been told it won't destroy, but as I say, it is a choice for us to make. 
And perhaps all these events that are happening, we are seeing positives as well. People are thinking a little more. There are pinpoints of light, we are told, around the earth. But I think, Paul, as you say, I think more events will have to happen before more thought is given and more realisation and understanding comes along within those that are left. Because we know that at some point soon there'll be a financial crash. And I think it is already crumbling, the financial structure. We know there will be hunger and want, and we are already seeing that. And eventually there will be an understanding, and perhaps that will come when there is more events happening. And in that regard, I think we could actually think back to Atlantis and maybe pose the question, will Atlantis maybe rise again? It's been told that it might surface again. If it did, when would that happen? And perhaps this could be the start of the sixth civilization. We are told that the sixth civilization is very close now. Mm. It's not that far away. So, far. so what, what events we get now, it's, it's going to be in a very short period of time, possibly yes. within our lifetime, and more likely within our lifetime, I think, a lot of these things. And I think this is something that we need to let people know about because the sooner people start reacting to it and accepting what's going to happen, the better it will be for mankind. And I think the interesting thing is that man really is struggling. Man in, in his heart knows that things aren't right and things need to change, don't they? I think so, yes. I think that what is needed are some difficult things to happen, for example, like the financial crash, because I think what will come about from that is there'll be the release for people of a lot of the burden that comes with the financial world at the moment, materialism, for example. So I think at the same time as difficult things happening, like the crash, there'll be a lot of positives that will come from that. But I do think that this earth movement event, which I believe will happen in the near future, and as you say, not too far off, I think it will take something like that to perhaps really surface people's minds and really almost shake people up into an awareness and an understanding of what we really have done wrong to our earth and how out of balance it is because of our behaviour. Yes, and it is our behaviour that's caused the problem. And it isn't something that God has placed upon us as a punishment. It's all down to us that we're the cause of the problem. We've actually made a mess of things. And now what's happening is we've actually almost argued against the case of the natural law. And the natural law is what it is. And, and we'll react Yes. In a way to our behavior is well, there's consequences, aren't there? There will mm. be consequences for what we've done. Yes, I think well, there certainly will be. But I think ultimately it is about learning. And I think that all that we have gone through and those that survive in the near future, particularly this big event that we believe will happen, there'll be a lot of understanding. And I think the lessons that will be learnt will be very important to those that are present. And I think 
it can be looked on as in a way quite an exciting time to be alive. This is certainly how spirit view it. We might not think of it like that, but they say that because of the opportunity to learn. And I think this is what the great mind is giving us, this time, this opportunity to learn so much. And I think these lives that we are all living today will be very meaningful to all of us when we return home in spirit. I mean, I can really accept what you're saying there, although living on the earth it's very difficult to think in that way and people won't think in that way they they see their lives as all they have they don't realize that it is a very small part of their overall eternal life as a spirit and they just don't see it that way and i'm sure spirit perfectly understand that it's very difficult we are very much entrenched in our physical lives without spirit it 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 becomes very stolid and heavy and difficult to move through, almost like molasses to move through our life without spirituality. Mm. So let me move on then, Julia. That's, so what can we expect after these events? What sort of positive thing can we take from this? Well, I think that is where I think the understanding will come in, because As you say, quite rightly, people can't think of life being exciting at the moment in many regards. But I think as the positives appear, because we were released from um, the material world, the financial world, the motives will be very different. People will be coming together. There'll be a sharing of things. And things like the energies that we talk about, they will become better understood and used in a way that will benefit everybody. So people will have, for example, warm homes free because the energy is being given by the great mind for us, for everybody. And we shouldn't be struggling and stressed about something so basic as keeping warm when it is cold. So I think there's so many positives. And because we've been given some insight here at the foundation into what is to happen in the future, In a way, I can see and I can feel that it is an exciting time. But that's because, you know, I've heard from spirit about why things are happening and what is to come. And so I believe that as events happen and as people have a certain understanding of what has happened and accept in a way why things happened, then they will also feel very positive and in a way, um, well, I think they'll be, they will have their mind much more part of their lives at that time. And we all know what can be given to people if they use their mind, they'll have that peace, they'll have that strength, that spiritual strength, and that will all take them forward into what we believe is going to be a very spiritual and very beautiful sixth civilization. Indeed. Now, this is quite important that we've been quite lucky in the foundation. We've had many, many years of of tutelage and help, support to allow us to think in the way we do now. And we know also that there's going to be more and more people awakening to the understanding of spirit. It's been growing since 1980, apparently. And so hopefully more and more people will come to 
the understanding that we've been so lucky to have. Yes, I think so. And I, I think this is what we're doing here today. We're doing these podcasts, we have books, and this will continue because we know at some point people will be waking up, they'll be asking questions, and they'll want answers. So all of this work that we're doing, this is part of our um, responsibility, if you like, perhaps part of our purpose to lay all this down so that when people are ready, when certain things have happened in the future, then they have answers quite immediately there for them to help them and to help them understand. And hopefully this will make them stronger in how they go forward in their own lives. Indeed. And I just want to say that we're not making any money out of this. This podcast is completely free. We're not claiming any money or anything. We just want to pass on this information to others and so that it will help them in the way that it's helped us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Julia. Now, I think we're coming to the end of our podcast. It's been a very interesting one. And I'm wondering whether Spirit would like to conclude for us today. Just to say one thing, if I may. Eternity, eternal, having eternal lives. And of course, that is a gift given by the great mind. And it is his decree, of course, how long spirits will exist. But we have been told, and we believe, it will be for eternity. And eternity is a circle. It has no beginnings, and it has no end. The Erasmus Foundation is a spiritual teaching and healing foundation based in Laxfield, Suffolk, in the United Kingdom. We have a webpage, www.erasmus-foundation.org. If you would like to be a guest on our podcast, or indeed have further questions for us, then please contact me on paul at erasmus-foundation.org and we'll do our best to accommodate you. Thank you very much for listening.